In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God does not require our prayers in order for him to be good and gracious. His good and gracious will is done even without our prayers. His will always opposes the ravings of the devil. Often God's will is contrary to the thoughts and desires of the world. Sometimes, even probably most times, his good and gracious will is contrary to the expectations of our flesh. And so we see the needs of those around us, sufferings, trials, illness, sorrow, war, death. The church is always at prayer, always bringing these needs before our Father in heaven. The congregation at prayer brings those needs and desires before our God and Father at his altar, at our kitchen tables, at our bedside. Now, how will the child receive Jesus when mom and dad don't bring him to church, to baptism, to weekly, to instruction, to the Bible, and to prayer? How will we care for the needs of the poor and the weak to make sure that they get Jesus unless the faithful are giving for the support and the preach, to support the preaching of Jesus? How will peace come to the warring nations of the world if the prayer of the church is silent? You see, faith does greater things than move mountains. Faith brings people to Jesus. When the righteous have prayed, God brings his heavenly blessings to bear. Over and over throughout the scriptures, the prayer, that is, the faith of the righteous, availeth much. Moses intercedes for Israel, Abraham for Sodom, Lot for the little city of Zoar. So we pause and ask how many of the blessings that we enjoy in our nation are because of the prayers of Christians. Our days are filled up with prayers, setting our daily needs and the needs of those we love before our God and Father. And he who has loved us in Christ Jesus therefore answers us according to his mercy. This prayer is the voice of faith, bringing our needs and our loved ones before God for his blessing and healing and protection. But in today's gospel, we do not hear a prayer to Jesus. Those who bring their paralyzed, friends, paralyzed friend before him don't actually say anything. Even so, their faith is active. Their faith doesn't just live a quiet life in their hearts. It breaks out and sets their hands and feet into motion. They bear their friend upon their shoulders and bring him to Jesus. Their pity, their kindness, their faith lifts up this man and carries him to where he will be helped. 
but it is not an easy task. Perhaps they had to carry him a long way. And when they get to the house, they see the crowd around Jesus, and it seems that this crowd will now prevent them. They climb onto the roof. I'm sure that wasn't easy. Have you ever tried to lift a limp man up onto a roof? Having figured out where Jesus was located in the home, they start taking off the shingles, digging through the roof, even destroying private property. They spare no trouble, avoid no pain, avert no danger. They are dead set on getting their friend to Jesus, and nothing and no one will stop them. This is what true faith does. Nothing will keep this kind of faith away from Jesus. It is an example for us. Let nothing keep you from church, from reading and hearing God's holy word. Nothing from praying to him, not government decrees, not physical pain, not job, not play, nothing. Spare no danger and no expense in coming to Jesus and in bringing your little ones and loved ones to him. When you get old and it's hard to get to church, get your family and friends to drag you there so that you can be there with Jesus when he says, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Get your pastor to come and visit you. When you get old, you'll probably have more doctor's appointments. But far more important than those appointments are the ones that you have with Jesus. He will give you the strength of body and soul that overflows into everlasting life with his medicine that is far better than anything we can imagine. Now, this man's friends have spared no expense and let nothing stand in their way of getting to Jesus. But having worked so hard for their friend, they do not now expect Jesus to reward them for their hard work. They help their friend not because they want Jesus to be oh so pleased with them, but because their friend has a need, because they love him, because they know Jesus can help. Faith never parades itself in front of Jesus. Before Jesus, faith always receives. We see this kind of faith illustrated by the man on the mat. He lies there, passive. He cannot save himself. He cannot even get himself to Jesus for healing. Even now, the faith of his friends has reached its limit as well. Their faith cannot heal him. Their faith cannot help him. Their faith cannot save him or give him faith. No matter how strong your faith is, you cannot believe for another. So they bring their friend before Jesus with great humility. They do not presume to tell Jesus what is wrong. They just bring him there and set him there and let Jesus sort it out. 
After all, Jesus is the Lord over whatever it is that afflicts this man. Now, it's not clear from the text whether the paralyzed man has faith at this point. Perhaps he was even brought to Jesus reluctantly or even against his will. Can you imagine it? All the way there, griping and complaining at his friends, begging them to stop. But if these friends wouldn't let a crowd or a roof stand in their way, then they would bring their loved one despite his objections. Maybe there's a lesson for us in how we evangelize in all of this. Now the man lies there on the floor, looking up at Jesus. Jesus knows what to do and, and to say. Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. He speaks as though the man is troubled of conscience, that he was sore oppressed by his sins. Perhaps the man in the bed knows and feels his sin in his heart. Perhaps he doesn't. Perhaps as he lies before Jesus, he does so without faith. But when Jesus has spoken the promise, Faith is created in the man's heart. True faith knows Jesus and looks to him alone as its author and perfecter. From him, such faith always seeks one thing above all else, the forgiveness of sins. Now, you know that forgiveness is your most profound need, but it's not your only need. Jesus is not unconcerned about all your other needs. He cares for all your needs of body and soul, possessions and reputation. And the great promise of the resurrection is a body that works, a body in which you work and think and do all that God intends in order to fully enjoy all that God gives. But unless that healing and resurrection comes with the forgiveness of sins, it is without meaning, without joy. Thus, Jesus grants this paralytic to know the assurance of his sins being forgiven and the promise of eternal life, guaranteed to him personally by God himself. Be of good cheer, my son. If Jesus had only granted physical healing, it would have been temporary. Sickness may not have visited that man again, but surely death would have. The physical healing that signaled the resurrection would have been only a a tease and a cruel joke. But where there is forgiveness of sins, there is life, full life, everlasting life abundant life. Where there is forgiveness of sins, there is salvation, free and eternal salvation, rescue from all bodily and spiritual perils, deliverance from sin and death and the devil's power. Now this kind of forgiveness scandalizes the scribes. It's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Pastors cannot really stand in the stead and by the command of Christ and speak this forgiveness. 
Can those words coming from his mouth really be God's forgiveness? Yes, it is true, dear saints of God. Run a hundred miles to receive it. For this absolution is the voice of no mere mortal. It is the very voice of God in heaven, given among men as the way he alone forgives and retains sin. Scribes and scoffers do not treasure such a noble gift. They blaspheme against God's word of forgiveness. They refuse to believe it. They reject it and stay away from confession. Though Jesus is giving out life itself, there are those who do not want it. And we see from history that God's judgment is not put off forever. The fall of Jerusalem is coming. And Jesus would speak judgment against Capernaum, the city in today's gospel, later on. The prayer of the righteous does avail much. But each of us stands before God by his own faith. I, my faith cannot get you to heaven, nor yours, me. And this is good. For I do not wish for others to trust in my faith, as though my faith were so great. It is but a pitiable faith. But that others would trust in Jesus, for he is the sum and substance of true faith. He is the one that people are brought to because he alone saves, he alone forgives, he rescues the soul, he creates faith, he heals the body. But not everyone wants what Jesus gives. And you might wonder, why would anyone stay away from this gift? Why would anyone not want their sins forgiven? Well, what is forgiveness? Well, it's the Greek word for divorce. Forgiveness means separation, a cutting apart what has been brought together. Forgiveness, therefore, can be painful. It means having your sins cut away from you. Do you want this forgiveness of your sins? You might not want to give them all up yet. You might want to nourish and to, to nourish them, to feed them so they're always there next to you to comfort you. You can always go to them for relief. You might If your sins are cut away from you, miss them and long for their return. And then there is also the question in our text of which is easier to say? For Jesus, though, both words, both the word of forgiveness and the word of physical healing, both words have the same source, the bloody sacrificial death of Jesus. But although the words have the same source and the same instruments, the world wants one and not the other. The world wants health and comfort above all things. All they do over in that church is stand around forgiving sins. 
What good does forgiveness of sins do when I'm sick? Maybe the man on the mat felt that way. But then there's Jesus with his word. Take heart, my son. I forgive you all your sins. He didn't wait for the man's permission. He didn't wait for the man to say anything. Jesus simply cuts the man's sins away, and the man goes free. And so it was for you in holy baptism. You were brought to Jesus. There your sins were cut away from you and drowned forever. Therefore, take heart, my son. Take heart, my daughter. Your sins are forgiven you. Be courageous, for with the forgiveness of sins, you can face all the troubles and trials and perils of this life. If your sins are forgiven, you can face paralysis and persecution, pestilence and poverty. If your sins are forgiven, you can even face death. No one wants to live a life of paralysis or mourning or pain. But with the forgiveness of sins, these things will not accompany you forever. In this life, our physical healing is only temporary. Even if your loved ones get better, it is only for a time. Those raised from the sickbed will lie down upon their deathbed. But the forgiveness of sins is eternal. Its promise goes with you into the grave. He who made this promise will raise you from your grave. For now, for this time, God in his mercy has seen that your troubles and trials are good for you and for the world. For we even see in this that the Lord Jesus used this man's paralysis to demonstrate his messianic authority to the whole world. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. According to his good and gracious will, he has given it to you, to his church, to each individual Christian and to his ministers, that is, to his men who administer his holy and blessed sacraments for your good, for you are Christ's own. And by the ways and means of his word, spoken in his stead and by his command through the mouth of your pastor, he daily and richly forgives all your sins and the sins of all believers. This is just as valid and certain here on earth as it is in heaven, for Christ our dear Lord deals with us himself, and where he gives this forgiveness of sins, he also gives his life and salvation. In the holy name of Jesus. The peace of God keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.